So here we are this morning, David Ellis. David, what's your position with the Ross Development Trust? I'm the managing director. And as managing director, uh, you're the man in charge, so you can tell us what's really happening down here in the gardens. Yes, I can tell you everything that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you've opened the beautiful fountain, which is uh, now completely restored, mm-hmm. and that cost uh, 1.6 or 1.9 million? Oh, it's about it's close to £2 million pounds now, um, everything, all in near, near enough £2 million, pounds, yeah. And who, where was that money provided from? So the money came from all private sources um, raised through the trust. There was a grant given by uh, Edinburgh World Heritage um, for a six-figure sum, which was um, fantastic, not just for the money itself, but for their support and the project. It was really positive for us. The rest in the region of 1.8 million came from private individuals, um, just a very small group of them who wanted to give something back to the city that they love and the fountain um, was something that had a special place in their heart from their memories as a child. Um, and when they heard that we were doing work to repair that, they um, were desperate to give towards it. So obviously very grateful for that. Where all this started from uh, was that Norman Springford, local yes. businessman, yeah. um, promised £5 million to the City Council mm-hmm. on the understanding that the rest would be raised mm-hmm. somehow. Yeah. And that the building in West Princess Street Gardens, which we all know and love as the Ross Bandstand, would be uh, brought into the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems that, that whilst there was a, a design competition last mm-hmm. year, and that was all great, and we have a design, mm-hmm. it seems that the process might have stalled a little at present. Is that is that fair to say that? We had a lot of momentum built up when we ran the design competition. There was a lot of excitement about it then. Um, there's been an awful lot that we've had to work on and come to an agreement with the council on since that period. It's almost been exactly a year now, I think. Um, so it's slowed slightly, but it's not stalled, I would say. There's really important work that we've been doing over this last year in terms of looking at a sustainable management plan. Um, basically, what we want to ensure is that if we spend this £25 million and make all the improvements that we hope to make, that in five years' time, ten years' time, they will be able to be maintained, they'll be able to be looked after, and they will not be in a state of disrepair um, in a similar way that the, the current bandstand and the old fountain were. Um, and really that's key for us. We, as you mentioned, have to raise another 20-odd million pounds. And to do that, the individuals and the companies and the trusts, they need to be certain that their money is not going to be wasted. And all we want to do is make sure that the improvements that we make can be looked after. In a nutshell, that's, that's it. And one of the uh, ways that has been discussed um, openly at council yeah. at council meeting was uh, forming what's called an ALIO, an yeah. arm's length external organisation, yeah. which is council speak, I suppose, for the way that the building would be looked after yeah. in due course. Um, and do you have any input then into what will happen or will this now become a council matter? Well, we've been discussing with the council what the best option is for management of the space. We are not pushing one thing on them and they're not pushing one thing on us. It's a case of everybody's in the room thinking how best can we ensure that we tick the box by and guaranteeing the maintenance, but also ensure that whatever solution we come up with is appropriate for an area of public green space right in the city centre. Um, and the, the idea of forming a charitable allele that would consist of members from the council, members from the Ross Development Trust and then independent members was put forward as the, the best option to do that. 
charitable in the sense that there's nobody making any money out of there. There's representation from different bodies. So that actually what we're providing is a board of trustees who have a collective responsibility for the space. They don't represent an individual group. It's actually a group of people in Edinburgh that have a stakeholding there that want to do the best for the space. And where would the money come from then to run that alley Well, what would happen is we have an event space within the new pavilion. We would have a new cafeteria within our um, gateway building, as we're calling it, on uh, that links Princess Street with the gardens. And a lot of the money would come from mostly the cafeteria, but there'd be a small amount of money come from the event space. Um, and looking at our business plan that we've worked on with the council, there is enough money there to make sure that the maintenance and the staffing and everything is all covered within that. So there's a, a sustainable plan that we've come forward with that um, we, we've agreed with the council that's going to work. Um, and now the council is running a consultation until the 14th of September yep. um, on what the public want to see uh, in West Princess Street Gardens. Um, will that then colour whatever happens in the future? Well, we've got a recommendation that an alio is the best option. We've assessed all possibilities and um, some of them work for the donors, but not for the city. Some of them work for the city, but not for the donors. And really, the alio is the only option that works for everybody. And we've in the consultation, we explain a bit of background about the project, why we need to come up with this new solution, why this is the best solution, and how that's actually going to work on a day-to-day -day basis. Because there's all the technical and legal jargon, but I think ultimately what people want to know is how is their usage of the garden going to be affected. And through what we're trying to do, we hope to provide much better facilities, much better access, and hopefully have it accessible for longer. Um, and that's really some of our key goals with what we're doing here. And one of the... Uh possible misconceptions, shall we say, about uh, the future of West Princess Street Gardens was that it's going to be handed to somebody who has no, no real interest, who might be an external company, uh, but no real interest in the city to run it. And also that criticism, for example, in St Andrew's Square has always been that there's far too many things happening there which sure. then preclude the public from Just enjoying the garden. Yeah. So how do you address those two points? Well, I think one of the main misconceptions, which is absolutely fair enough and probably our fault for not being clear enough, is that we're going to be running a huge number of events that's going to stop people using the space, that's going to be taken over for somebody to make money out of. Firstly, as I say, the Alio will be a charity, so there's nobody individually making money. All money that comes in from the gardens usage will be ring-fenced to the Princess Street Gardens, and that's one of the massive key points of having this new charity set up, is that the money that comes in stays in that space. It doesn't go into the council pot to be used elsewhere, it's all for the management of that space. Now we've mentioned that we're looking at putting on 200 events a year, and of course well, that was put out in the press, people were very, very upset thinking, we're never going to see our gardens, they're going to be closed off because their assumption is that an event is like your Hogmanay event and really that's absolutely not the case. With the new design of the pavilion we have an ability to put on internal performances for up to 200 people that have no impact on the rest of the gardens. So those 200 events could be broken down to four small performances a week and they could be an hour in length. It could be the case of it's a Sunday morning yoga class once a week and there's 50 events for you. It could be a case that it's a, a church choir or a school choir or a school performance every Tuesday night and again there's another 50 performances a, a year. We're talking about a new space that there's not been the potential to use ever in Printer Street Gardens. So these 200 events, they're all non-impactful, they're all 
um, enclosed within the new building and they don't impact anybody's usage on the, on the rest of the gardens. And in fact, in terms of the large scale performances, your Hogmanay's, your firework performances, the concerts over the summer, with the new infrastructure and the improvements we hope to make, the actual impact of those will be reduced. Therefore, the availability of the gardens and the access for the general public will be increased because the setup and takedown time of those events we're going to hope to shorten. Um, so actually, in terms of their net availability of the gardens, after all this work's done and the new plans are put in place, it will be much more available to your general member of the public. So I'd just like to take that moment to clear up the air. We're not going to close the gardens for 200 days a year, absolutely not. We appreciate they're a brilliant, tranquil space. All we want to do is make them that bit better. So David, when did this process begin and when it, when is it, when's your job going to end? I don't know. <laughs> a difficult one. I mean, we had built up a lot of momentum with the, the competition and uh, we started then approaching potential donors and every one of them was saying the same thing. How do I know that my money is going to be looked after? And that then meant that we had to work on this new governance structure and that has taken time. It's an incredibly important part of the city, probably the most important area of public land, maybe in Scotland. So it wasn't something that we were going to rush through. It wasn't something the council were going to rush through. We really had to take time to discuss with as many different people as possible to come up with the best solution. So that process has been not slow, but it's taken longer than we would have potentially wanted it to take. But we're almost at a a resolution there. We have a suggestion, we're going out to consultation to make sure people understand why we're doing it, to make sure they understand that it's the best solution for the gardens. Um, and that will then go back to council committee probably in October time, um, full committee I would imagine, for it to be um, hopefully agreed that that's the way forward. Once we have that agreement we can go uh, full on with our fundraising, we can go, uh, our architects are still doing a bit of design development uh, work now but they will be pushing on full steam ahead on that and there will be huge amounts more opportunities for public consultation on the design itself. We have only a concept, we are desperate to get back out there and ask people what they want to see because this is not us telling you what we're going to do with the gardens, it's a case of us wanting to work with the people of Edinburgh to provide something that everybody is happy with at some point. But it's probably going to be a couple of years. It's certainly going to be a couple of years. We're talking about £20 million needing to be raised. That's going to take probably three years at least. Um, and then the design development work, we've got to go through a planning process. We know there could be potential issues with that. I, I would say we're probably not going to be building anything for at least three years. Um, but I'm going to try and do it hopefully as quickly as possible without cutting any corners or... And, and meantime, you have the cutest office in town. It's pretty nice, yeah, I must admit. I get, it gets photographed a thousand times a day. So <laughs> I should um, explain that you're here in the, in the gardens, in, in the gardener's cottage. Yeah, absolutely. We, um, we sort of share the use of it with the council. Um, there was a, a space for us to, to use it, and we did a little facelift on the inside to sort of transform it into a Victorian-themed cottage um, to sort of match the time period of when it was built. Um, and, yeah, it's nice to have a space in the area that you're trying to improve. Um, so, yeah. It gives you a 365 day a year view then. It does, we get a, we get a great view. Um, and uh, it's been it's been fine the last few weeks, but we had a terrible winter. So for me trying to get in and out when it was <laughs> knee deep snow and ice, it was pretty difficult for about six months, but uh, yeah, it's good. Well, David, I wish you well um, you. with uh, bringing this uh, lovely uh, redevelopment of Princess Street Gardens to fruition. Thank you very much.